0: I think a mark of spiritual maturity is when we say, Lord, use me.
1: Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie urges us to be the kind of believer the Lord can count on. We're all in for whatever God has in mind.
0: The world has yet to see what God can do in and through a man or a woman who is totally committed to Him. So will you say, here I am, Lord, send me, or will you say, there they are, Lord, send them. This is the day when the lost are found This is the day
1: for a new beginning Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Again you hear all the angels are singing This is the day, the day when life begins Those friends and associates you're in contact with, they have a word for that group. It's called Your Circle of Influence. The key question is what kind of influence do you have on your circle of influence? Do you draw them to Christ? Or do they wonder what kind of Christian are you? Or would they be surprised you even are a Christian? Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us put ourselves out there on the front line for the Lord. He invites us to put our faith on display to everyone
0: we meet. Exodus chapter three, and the title of my message is God's Call and Man's Excuses. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered if God could use someone like you? You know, when I first became a Christian, it was just overwhelming for me to think that God would allow someone like me to come into a relationship with Him, that's more than enough, and that's all it was, just you come into a relationship with God, that's enough for a lifetime. But then I heard that God wanted to use me, that he wanted to use me to serve him, that he had given me certain spiritual gifts, and I thought there's no way God could use someone like me. I was the guy who was always getting in trouble in school. How could I ever amount to anything? But I was told, no, you should go out and even share your faith. And I thought, I would surely fail if I tried to do such a thing. And God had a lot of grace on me because the first time I engaged a person in an evangelistic conversation, it was a middle-aged lady that I would probably think of as younger now, as a matter of fact, but she was middle-aged then because I was 17. But I shared the gospel with her and she accepted Christ. So, of course, immediately I thought I was some kind of a super preacher. I was just blessed, that's all it was. If she had asked me one slightly difficult question, I would have collapsed like a house of cards. But thankfully, she did not. But I got a taste of how the Lord could use me and and I went out and shared my faith more and I was talking to people about Christ and other people who were accepting the Lord and I thought this is wonderful but I had this fear and my fear was one of these days I'm afraid God is going to call me to preach and that's the last thing I want to do. I never want to have to preach publicly. The thought terrified me and I'm not the only one am I? Because whenever a survey is taken and people are asked what their primary fears are, it seems like number one on the list is often the fear of public speaking. How many of you have the fear of public speaking? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm going to call in a couple of you. to <laughs> See, that made your heart jump right there, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, no. No, not me. And that, that's how, well, that's how Moses fell. See, Moses Had a fear of public speaking. Moses had a fear of being used by God. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. But you see, here's what I want to get to. And that is a simple fact that God wants you to leave your comfort zone. And God wants to use you. And I wonder if you've ever said to the Lord, use me, Lord. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer like that? Use me, Lord. Raise your hand up. Okay, well, that's good. That's quite a few of you. And I want you to know that if you pray a prayer like that in sincerity, God will hear you, He'll answer that prayer, and it'll open up opportunities for you. The Bible is clear in pointing out that we're all called to glorify God with our lives and get the gospel out. Romans 12, four to six says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part is a special function, so it is with the body of Christ. We are all parts of one body, and each of us has a different work to do, And since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs the other. You know, in my body, just like in your body, I need every part of it working properly. And you really become aware of this when something is not working properly. When you sprain an ankle, or you stub a toe, that can be a major thing, right? or you hurt a finger, or break a finger, or you have an ear infection. Uh, Earlier tonight I I had something in my eye and I was using some saline solution. My eye was very irritated, it affects you. And the same is true in the church. When one of us is affected, we're all affected. If one is hurting, we're all hurting. If one is lifted up, we're all being lifted up in a sense. And we all need to work together. I think a mark of spiritual maturity is when we say, Lord, use me. A mark of spiritual maturity is when we come to church and we say, how can I use my gifts to serve others? A mark of spiritual immaturity is when I am irregular in my church attendance. And it's when I do show up, I say, or at least think something along the lines of, how can you minister to me more? What more can you do for me? By the way, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be ministered to a church. But when you begin to mature, you realize, I need to get in the game here and help out a little bit. You know, sometimes people will go up to our Sunday school, and they're impatient with some of our folks that are helping out, and and they have a lot of demands. Excuse me, these people aren't paid to do what they do. These are volunteers. You should be thanking them. And, you know, it's very easy to critique, but the question is, are you doing anything? Are you involved? And we all should recognize there's a place for us in the church, and that's when a big church will become a small church, is when we discover our gifts and start using them together. Well, God's looking for people like this. In Ezekiel 22, 30, the Lord says, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness and guard the land I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't destroy the land, but I found none. Did you hear what God just said? I'm searching. There was a great evangelist from days gone by named Dwight Lyman Moody. We often call him D.L. Moody. And one man came up to Moody once and made this statement, and it changed Moody's life. He said, Moody... The world has yet to see what God can do with and in and through the man who is wholly dedicated to him. It hit Moody hard. And Moody said to the Lord, I want to be that man, Lord. And in many ways he was that man for his generation. The world has yet to see what God can do in and through a man or a woman who is totally committed to him. So will you say, here I am, Lord. Send me or will you say, there they are, Lord, send them. You know, we all have a pulpit to speak from. You might say, well, I don't have a pulpit, Greg, and yours actually lights up. I mean, you have a fancy pulpit. Yes, it is kind of fancy, I know. But you know, you have a pulpit too. And your pulpit is whatever platform God has given you in your life, your sphere of influence, your neighbors, your friends. I just received a letter, not that long ago, uh, a school teacher wrote our radio program, and he said, Dear Pastor Greg, I'm a high school teacher in a pretty tough area. As a public school teacher, I have to find creative ways of witnessing to students and sharing the love of Jesus with them because Jesus is a very foreign concept to many of the students here. Listen to what this teacher did. So I decided to give the students some extra credit assignment over the weekend. They had to watch the Harvest Crusade online or go to the crusade in person and then do a one-page write-up about what they saw and experienced. I like this guy. (laughs) He goes on to say... He goes on to say, I'm very happy to report that a few of the students gave their lives to Jesus and several were asking me questions, which is an awesome opportunity to plant more seeds. The crusade got many of the students thinking about things they never hear about in their homes. And my prayer is for those that saw the crusade and hadn't made their decision for Jesus, we'll make that decision, but no matter what, I'll keep in contact with those kids and continue to be a witness for him. See, that's a guy who found his pulpit. You have a pulpit, believe me. You have influence more than you think you have. And you have to say, Lord, how can I leverage that conversation or that relationship for the gospel? But uh, when we think of the Lord using us, we come up with excuses. We'll say, oh God could or would never use someone like me. I don't have the gift of gab. I don't, what, what is the gift of gab? I guess it's just people that talk too much. I don't have the gift of gab. I'm not comfortable talking to strangers. I've made too many mistakes. Those are all excuses. What is an excuse? One definition of an excuse is, quote, the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie, end quote. Here's another definition of an excuse. I like this one. An excuse is a lie all dressed up for dinner. (laughs) So what does it mean? An excuse is effectively a lie. I say, oh, I don't want, I can't do it. But the reality is I don't want to do it.
1: It's great to have you join us today for a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S. Today's message is titled God's Call, Man's Excuses. Let's continue.
0: Now we're going to look at Moses. Moses. And we're gonna look at some of the excuses that he offered up to the Lord as a part of our series that we're doing on his life that we're calling Water, Fire, and Stone. Now when we left Moses, he was running for his life. Why? Well, he was the prince of Egypt. He was being groomed to be the next pharaoh. But he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And he decided to take matters into his own hands. So he went out and he saw an Egyptian taskmaster cruelly treating a Hebrew slave. And he thought, I've had enough of this. And the Bible says he looked this way and he looked that way and he killed the Egyptian. Well, the next day he went out and a couple of Jewish guys were having an argument. He interrupts and says, why are you guys arguing? They say, in effect, who died and made you king? What's it to you? You're not our prince. You're not our ruler. Are you going to kill us as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Moses realized that everyone knew, and indeed news had gotten back to the palace. The Pharaoh was outraged. He put a contract out on Moses' life. So now Moses is running for his life. Here's part of the problem of Moses. He killed this guy. That was horrible. But then he hid his body in the sand. Not a good place to hide a body, by the way especially with the shifting sands of Egypt blowing about. I read a story about some guy who robbed a church. He stole some money. He was trying to climb through the window, but he was a pretty good sized guy and uh, he was over six feet tall and quite heavy and he got stuck in the bathroom window (laughs) while trying to make off with the loot. It took four cops to get him out, two pushing and two pulling caught in the act. Ah, hi everybody. Yeah. That's sort of what happened to Moses. He got caught in the act. And now he's running. And Moses himself later said in Numbers 32, 23, your sin will find you out. And his sin did find him out. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 28, 13, if you try to hide your sin, you will not prosper. I wonder if there's somebody listening to me right now that's been trying to hide their sin. Maybe some secret sin you think no one knows about. Trust me, God knows about it. As Alan Redpath used to say, secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. The only way to get rid of your sin is to confess it. The Bible promises if we'll confess our sin, He's faithful and just, to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, Moses was running because of the consequences of his sin. He once was the prince of Egypt. Now he's the fugitive from Egypt. He lost his home, his position, his people, his power, and his reputation. But fortunately, he had not lost his God. He made a mess out of his life. I wonder if somebody listening to me right now has made a mess out of their life. Maybe you, like Moses, took matters into your own hands. You know, sometimes people who are single grow impatient. You know, the girl says, I never meet any Christian guys at church. The guy says, I never meet any Christian girls, and and I'm just tired of waiting. And so they say, I'm just gonna get married. I found someone. They say they love me. They're a non-believer. And despite the fact that the Bible says don't be equally yoked together with non-believers... I'm gonna marry them and I'm gonna lead them to the Lord. Well, that does occasionally happen. I can't rule that out. But unfortunately, many times it does not happen. So now you're in a marriage that's filled with friction. Trust me, marriage is hard enough, okay, between two Christians. Don't make it even harder by marrying a non-Christian. At least the Christians have the spiritual resources and the Lord to lean on. But man, when you're not a believer, And then you add other elements to the problem so it can get really awful. But anyway, so maybe you are having friction in your marriage and you're saying, well, that was a bad decision. And then at church you met this really good looking, godly, nice Christian guy. And so you're thinking, I think the Lord just spoke to me and said, my child, dump your heathen husband. (laughs) And marry the cute Christian at church. (laughs) God isn't saying that to you. Here's what he's saying, First Corinthians 7, 13. If a believing woman is a husband who's not a believer and he's willing to stay with her, she should not leave him. So now here's your new mission. Seek to win him to the Lord by the way that you live. The same is true, of course, of a, of a Christian man with a non-Christian woman. You made the wrong decision. Don't make it even worse. Listen to this. God is good at cleaning up our messes. <laughs> Let me say it again. God is good at cleaning up our messes. And we have our messes, don't we? Yeah. I mean, think of the last miracle of Jesus. What was the last miracle that Christ performed before he went to the cross? The raising of Lazarus from the dead? No, that happened much earlier. The healing of a leper? No. What was it? it was putting a guy's ear back on his head that was cut off by Simon Peter. Kind of an unnoticed miracle, maybe an unappreciated miracle, but you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, here comes the temple guard uh, and the Roman soldiers to arrest Christ being led by this Malchus character. And Simon Peter was so frustrated, he pulled out his sword and took a wild swing, and off comes the guy's ear. He was probably aiming for his head, honestly, but he was a fisherman, not a swordsman. So off comes the guy's ear, Amalchus Van Gogh. Many people don't know that was his last name. <laughs> I made that up. If you don't know what I mean, Google Van Gogh, and you'll find the answer with the ear. Anyway, he picks the guy's ear up. He puts it back on. Man, I would, if I were Jesus, it'd be like, buddy, you deserve what you got. No, but that was the last miracle of Jesus to cover up the blunder of a disciple. The Lord can turn your mess into a message and he can turn your test into a testimony. So what you need to do is say, all right, Lord, I blew it here. I messed up, I'm sorry, and I don't know how to fix it. But I'm asking you, Lord, to intervene in my life and turn this around somehow for your glory. Cause even this mistake that I've made, Lord, to be used to bring honor to your name. You just watch what the Lord will do. Well, old Moses... He runs off into the wilderness. Remember, I said to you before, he spent 40 years in the Pharaoh's court, finding out he was a somebody. 40 years in the wilderness, finding out he was a nobody. Now he's about to find out what God can do with a somebody who realizes they're a nobody. He's been in exile in the desert. He married a lady from a family that he met there. He's been off the grid. No social media. He shut down his Instagram account, Facebook. No tweets from Moses. No nothing from Moses. Moses probably thought, I'm done. I have nothing left to say. I've ruined my life. I've ruined my testimony, and that's it. Well, that wasn't it, because God was gonna turn his mess into a message.
1: great insight today from the life of moses from pastor greg's new series called water fire stone glad you're joining us here on a new beginning as we learn from both moses successes and failures next time join us as pastor greg shares more good encouragement for the challenging times of life he'll explain how everything we go through is preparation for something bigger Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called God's Call, Man's Excuses. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.